0: What is up, golf fans? We are back. We got our old friend C. C- hiatus.
1: We missed you. Welcome back. How was your week off? Uh, it wasn't really a week off. I mean, it wasn't so much a vacation. It was more like, uh, let's visit the parents. Kids got to see the parents, you know, that kind of thing. So I'll be honest, you know, I love everybody involved on my trip up to D.C., but, you know, when you got a couple of small kids, it's like not it's kind of problematic, if if I'm being honest, you know, just like going from point A to point B to point C. And the worst part was, Joel, the worst part was that you were here in South Florida at a bachelor party where I live, and it was the one weekend I happened to be out of town, which, like, honestly was, like, kind of a bummer. And I'm curious, man, how was the weekend? Tell me all about it before we get into this, uh, this golf talk.
0: So you'll laugh. Um, the night that... Um... We were out that I would have, if we were in town, told you to meet us for dinner. Was the night that we went out for my buddies, obviously badge party. We did a big dinner, like it wanted to be like a nice, fancy dinner. So we found this place, it's called Sardelli's. Uh, and we get like a private room, so it's like all you can drink, you get your own room, and uh, it was supposed to be like a really good time. So we show up, and they're like, you know, you guys are actually sharing the room tonight. So we have a private dinner party for there's like 15 guys, and then next to us comes another party, like they're not coming to like an hour after, so no problem. So like an hour later, in walks Brendan Marshall, you know, that, from the Chicago Bears, six foot five, monster of a human being. And of course, you know, a bunch of guys my age who love sports. Uh, we're all like, that is Brendan Marshall that just walked in here, right? So he walks in with his girlfriend and we're like, okay, this cool. So what is this other party? It turns out it was Michael Vick's birthday party. So it was my friend and Michael Vick's
1: birthday party sharing a private room in Florida. That's, uh, that was how our Friday night went. That is awesome. So did you get a chance to actually like hang out with Michael Vick to any degree? I have to say he was – he couldn't have been friendlier. We didn't like overly bother him and
0: try to like act like we were friends because we obviously knew what was going on. But they couldn't have been any friendlier. They actually probably engaged us in conversation more than we engaged them. I know one time like Mike Vick came over to us and I was like, just try small. All of us froze. like, what are we going to say to Mike (laughs) Vick? But
1: no, I will say he was – he couldn't have been nicer. He was a super nice guy. Uh, very welcoming. It was, it, was, uh, it was a pleasure to hang out with him for the night. You know, everything I know about Michael Vick, other than the obvious thing, which is like just the gigantic black mark on, on his career, on his persona, is is immaculate. I mean, the guy, and by the way, since that time, since the the, the, the dogfighting stuff, um, he's really kind of atoned for that. I know a lot of people, you know, they apologize. And, and, but like, if you really followed Michael Vick post all of that stuff, I mean, he has really made so many strides. And, and if you just watch him, he had some reality shows that, that he did. And he's uh, he's obviously, I think he's a Fox Sports contributor among, among other places. But the guy is as genuine as they come. So it doesn't shock me at all that he sees these other kind of like, no offense to people like you or me, but random people in the room. And he's like, oh, I'm going to be hospitable to them. I'm going to be nice to them because I'm just a nice guy. It's like, it's not an act. I think that's who Michael Vick is. And I think that, I mean, that's awesome. It's funny you say that though, because- so I live in South Florida and, and I know like, I'm like the king of name dropping. Right. And it's like in South Florida, they're just, they're just here. Like they, everybody comes here all the time, whether it's in season, off season, whatever it is, people want to be in South beach. People want to be in Fort Lauderdale. People want to be at the hard rock casino, like wherever it is, like you always see. I mean, we just, I just told you, you know, Jamie Foxx and I played basketball together some time ago when he was down here. I've, I've, spotted jose canseco at la fitness in the weight room like just like just i i deposed in my lawyer days i deposed vanilla ice not because he was a defendant because he was a a key witness in, in a in a case so it's like that stuff just happens in south florida it's it's just really funny and i'm glad the the snapshot of south florida that you got which was a couple days down here um you got to run into mike vick of all people that's fantastic
0: it was cool. It was, it was fun. Um, and I was. I would say I was, you were right. I would say I was pleasantly surprised by how welcoming and friendly I would have expected them to be like, leave us alone, guys. You know, we're
1: too big time for you. But they weren't like that at all. They, they were super friendly. So this, <laughs> this is pretty funny. Uh, did you give Vic showdown golf advice, uh, Ivan asks. <laughs> and I got to say, Joel, if you didn't, a little selfish.
0: <laughs> well, I, I didn't. Uh, he didn't ask. But what I, I my I said my friends missed an opportunity to mess with me because if, if I was one of my friends I would have told Vic to be like you know I watch your show all the time on uh, DFS Golf and I was wondering if you
1: give me advice I made him pretend like he knew who I was but uh, none of them thought to do that I would have done that to them if I had the opportunity. That's great. Uh, and then we have I, we have Isaiah chiming in before we get started on, on the Rocket Mortgage Talk. So Isaiah is one of our writers at Win Daily, um, and he has been, I would say, over the last four weeks, the guy on the team that's the most on fire. Now, I, I say that knowing that Joel won, what was it, $30,000 last week, Joel? Remind me. Uh, I, no, two weeks ago, I won 37000 Okay, uh, Last week, I won 3000 which I'll take. Okay. There you go. So, so th- this is an astonishing thing to say, but in the last, you know, two weeks, Joel has won a total of $40,000, which for the record, for those of you listening, isn't that much for Joel? Like he <laughs> hits 50 and a hundred thousand all the time. And it's not in just golf. So that's why like, please come over to win Check us out. But Isaiah, I got to say over the last four weeks, uh, just you Every single week, he's really been on it. So uh, anyway, Isaiah apparently plays DFS baseball as well, and Kyle Schwarber will be paying his entry fees this week into all of his PGA DFS lineup. So that's kind of cool to hear. And I'll add to that. Isaiah is very consistent, right? So hes mm-hmm. if, if that's what you want to be in DFS. Keep your,
0: your bankroll rolling. Keep it in the green. Come back again. Fight another day. And you'll notice, like, with Isaiah, and you'll see him in Discord putting his plays, he's winning consistently. And that allows you to keep coming back and playing more. So – He's really consistent. He's one of those guys I would say he has a high floor, right? He's always going to find himself somewhere around the green. So uh, definitely keep a lookout for uh, for who he's likes this week as well.
1: That's really well put because I think this week we're looking for for high floors as well. We're looking for 6-6s six because if you get a 6-6, six six, Joel, you are – going to be racking up points on Saturday and Sunday. This is not going to be a course where, like, you got six for six, but one of your guys or two of your guys went, like, plus five on a day. Like, that's probably not going to happen here. So getting six for six here, getting that high floor is going to be super important. Totally, for sure. And and you know what? We have enough of those, you know,
0: non-major fields where, you know, you have some of those top guys that we see all the time. They have your Bryson. There's Matsuyama. We have Reed. Uh, But when you get down, you know, a couple more notches, maybe down to the 8K range, the mid-9K range, it's not the same guys again, right? It's a little bit of a weaker field. So Mm -hmm. um, I think that even shows even more as you start getting down to the 7K range. So I think it's going to be difficult to get six cut makers because the field is not that deep. And we're going to be fishing a little bit toward the bottom, making sure we find guys who can compete. So that's going to be the challenge this week, and and that's what we're going to want to do is – like you said, we need cup makers. We need six of six, because if you're not getting six of six, it's going to be really hard uh, to make at least good money, big money.
1: Yeah, that's true. That's absolutely true. Uh, so so I guess, Joel, let's get started then, huh? No more South Beach talk? Are we done with that? Yeah. <laughs> let's get into it. Let's get into this week. I'm excited. So just to put a cap on last week
0: uh, at the Travelers, I think we all had a, a pretty good week. We were on the right guys. As I, was, I actually had an outright ticket on English, and it's funny. I forgot see you could have given me the heads up you tell me all the time I still forgot you can't bet when you're in Florida so Mm -hmm. I made a few bets prior to leaving for the week when I got there I couldn't make any of my live bets that I like to make during the tournament because I wasn't able to put any of my bets in so um, I had a Harris English ticket pre-tournament to win and I got to the airport and I was just like Honestly, to be honest, I completely forgot that I put it in. I, looking I all love it. And then I landed and I'm like, there's way more money in my account than there should be. How did this happen? And I think, well, it took way more money. money. I was like, oh, wow. I hit an outright ticket that I completely forgot about.
1: Yeah, uh, that was, exciting. Um, that was That was pretty crazy. By the way, pro tip. I mean, you can't bet in Florida. See a dozen air quotes for those listening on the podcast. But you can bet in Florida. I'm just, yeah, I'm just throwing that out there. You would have had to use a different account, if you will.
0: Right. I can't use the account that I normally use in Florida. But, yes, you can definitely still
1: be. Correct. Correct. Uh, uh,
0: But but moving listen, we were were on it last week. I think we all had pretty good chords. All of us were in it for sure. Um, And I think we're moving to a similar tournament this week. We're going to be in Detroit. Uh, the course this week is a course that they only played twice, so there's not a ton of history to go off of, but there is some. So we have something. There's some stats we can look at. From my perspective, uh, Consider comparing to some of the courses that we've seen already this year, it's hard to get a read on what the perfect stats are to, to heavily wait for this week. right? We've seen bombers do well. We've seen guys have to sink putts to win here. It's not the longest course, so... I think the book is yet to be determined on where you can find the edge on this course and what we're going to overly weigh. What I did, and this is nothing I've ever done before, but that's just how I'm going to play this week is I value an approach like I always do, but I put a much heavier emphasis this week on putting and short game. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for the player who's going to win this tournament is going to have to make a bunch of putts, and uh, I'm, I want to target guys that are capable of getting out. You know, there's a lot of guys that you know will go average or below average putting, but they're really good ball strikers. I'm looking for the guys this week that are known to get really hot with the putter.
1: And that's kind of mm-hmm. what carries their game. So that's kind of how I'm being a little different. Um, how did you weigh them this week, Sam? Yeah, I agree with you about the putter. I mean, that, you know, we're starting, you and I are starting to factor in more putting stats, which, which doesn't even mean it's that significant in, per our models, but you know, you, I know you like to look at three putt avoidance and things of that nature. Uh, I, I did factor in putting a little bit more. And, and for the record, when I do my model, if, if I don't factor in putting, let's say I put just the simple metric of putting and I put it at 15% for this tournament. If I see a guy that's like number five in my in my model, but he's like 130th in putting, but he just rates out everywhere else. Like I might actually just cross that guy off my list for a tournament like this. Or at the very least, I might dig a little bit deeper and see where, where he missed out, was it one or two tournaments, like five tournaments ago that he had like a, a bad putting experience, but then the last three, he's been really good. So those are sort of like Second looks I'm going to take the point I'm trying to make is I agree with you about the putting, and therefore I'm not just blindly looking at my model and being like, oh who's number who's number one, two, three, four, five, and six. It's more like all right who's who's up here, and why are they up here and and what what are the sort of the watch outs so yeah, off the tees, more important for me this week, certainly. I definitely think length is going to be better for you, especially because it's going to be a wet course for the most part. So those shorter hitters aren't going to get the benefit of the rollout, but all the shorter hitters are in play. If you look at the, the two years of history, any type of player can win this tournament. Any type of player can take advantage of the four par fives. So yeah, give me off the tee, give me approach. The approach proximities that I honed in on a little bit more were between 75 yards and 150 yards. You're not going to see quite as many 175 to 200 as you would a, a normal course. You're you're going to see you know a decent amount of 200 plus, but it's it's the 75 to 150 where I really kind of concentrated on. Other than that, yeah, putting was important. So putting off the tee, approach, and those specific proximities. You just rose a really interesting thought process for me. So I'm going to dive right in. I want to ask you this. Yeah. Normally,
0: right when we watch, when we kind of try to break down Bryson. We know he's going to be the, one of the longest hitters, if not the longest hitter. And then his approach shot typically fall between that five and one hundred and fifty because he's further than everyone. And he yep. usually doesn't grade out very well because he usually messes up that second shot and has to get out of trouble. And then he'll make a putt and gets back to par. Um, now sure, is her approach shot's going to be thirty yards. You know, twenty-five. Is he just going to, going to be from you know after his driver? How is that going to look? And are you able to, to wait that differently? Because
1: he did already win once here. So we know he likes this course. Yeah. So you're talking about Bryson. So, I mean, the, the answer to the question is, yeah, he's, he's won here. He seems like a good course fit. When he did win here, he gained a lot with the putter. So that's just kind of like a watch out there. So did Wolf when he was competing with him. But he is going to have a lot of shots in that 75 to 100-yard proximity. And – it's not very good. It's, I mean, 75 to 100 in this field, he ranks 149th the last 24 rounds. I mean, 149th is almost like literally last place in this field. Now, you know, it's a fine line, right? Because if you go to 100 to 125, boom, all of a sudden he's nineteenth. So you got to kind of like, you know, understand what you're really dealing with. I mean, I I don't know how bad he's going to be 75 to 100. He's not going to be 149th in this field. I know that for a fact. So, if you if you want to lean on Bryson, I, I don't have a problem with it, but it certainly scares me that those shorter those wedges, those shorter irons, it's just it hasn't been clicking for him for quite some time. And you know, the the scary thing with Bryson is this is a pretty big
0: price jump. I mean, he's is his price tag is 11,400. Um you'll find Reed at 109, Simpson at 106 and Matsuyama but after that I mean we're really jumping down so you're really paying a pretty hefty premium to to jam Bryson in your lineup. Now uh, if you like him I'm okay with that from a, a roster construction standpoint because of this. I think once we get into the 7k range, even the low 8K range, this is not a big difference. A lot of those guys maybe at the low 7 k range aren't gonna be much different from the guys in the high 7 k range 8K range. So if you want to play Bryson and just kind of finagle that range a little bit with uh, the guys you like, uh, I think that would that would work. Um, but you're not going to be able to get too many studs at that price. tag.
1: Totally. And and I think you're right about the seven K range. The difference between a guy that's 7,200 in this tournament and a guy that's 7,700 is minuscule. So I think the recommendation, especially at a tournament like this where there's not a lot of really heavy lifters at the top. And what I mean by that is just like really talented players. I'm not talking about bombers. I'm just talking about talented players. I mean, listen, Patrick Reed's a great golfer, but he's the second-priced guy in this tournament. I mean, that should kind of tell you something about what the cream is at the top. So with that in mind, anybody in that 7K range can pop. So expect randomness, and I would wash the entire 7K range. What I mean by that is if you have 700 left over because you picked a 7,100 guy instead of a 7,800 guy that you believed in, mind you. There's got to be something behind it, and you have 700 left over just and it's a single entry and you you know you've already gotten different with your with the players you picked like don't worry about it you you, you don't you, you can have extra money on the table it's not a big deal if you don't have extra money on the table that's fine too but my point is the differences and we'll see that when we talk to, about the 7k range the differences between some of these low 7 and high 7k guys it's just it's not enough to to have an appreciable effect on what you're thinking like oh i i got to i got to jam this more talented guy in that's that's priced higher. It's it's not really how it is this tournament.
0: And to even add to that, you know, if we look at last week's tournament, I would. I mean, I don't. I didn't do this, but I would bet you if you looked at the leaderboard and the optimal
1: lineups, you wouldn't nearly spend all of your salary last week's tournament. There was a lot of lower price guys on the top of the leaderboard. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure Sunday night, uh, Rick Gaiman posted uh, who I do the first cut with uh, on on Sundays and, and Mondays. Um, he posted. I think the uh, optimal lineup was forty five thousand flat. So I mean. I mean, that's it speaks to what you're going to see. And just to to your point, it speaks to what you're going to see in this tournament as well. There's just going to be guys in that upper 6K range, that mid 7K range that are just going to be in the top five down the stretch. And you might have a handful of guys like, you know, that we'll talk about that are going to be up there as well. But it's definitely, in fact, I think the optimal lineup is going to be right around that 45K price range again. Interesting. Well, let's, let's, I'll say, I'll say, I'll say 46,100 is going to be the uh, optimal lineup. Let's just let's just throw something out there so that if it actually hits we can snap this up and uh, put it out on Twitter. 46,100 that's going to be the optimal lineup at the Rocket Mortgage Classic.
0: I like it. I'm on board with that. I'm going to have to start building all my lineups to go to 46,100. <laughs> I know that's the optimal. So that's how I'm going to build them. <laughs> You're welcome America. Well, while we're
1: here, let's dive right into it. So let's hop in that top tier with with Bryson and with Reed. Who are you liking up there? So, I wouldn't fault anybody for playing Bryson. I, I don't want to say he's going to run away with this tournament, but he certainly has extreme upside. If if the entire game can't get brought together, which we haven't seen a ton of evidence of, but I, I do think he's he's playing pretty well. It's not like he's a disaster. He's just he's having like you know a few bad holes here and there, and it's it's catching up to him. So, I think Bryson is fine. But I'll tell you, I like. I think I like the rest of this range more other than Will Zalatoris. Remember, was it last week or the week before where we both had the same fate? It was Will Zalatoris, and he didn't even come close to making the cut. Well, I think Will Zalatoris, and so of course we were right about that, but I don't think Zalatoris is a bad play necessarily, but against all these other guys in the high 9K and, and the, the upper 10K range, He's not a consideration, especially because his putter has been pretty bad. So I'll tell you, it's surprising to me that, that my favorite guys are Webb Simpson and Patrick Reed because I do think Bombers have a slight advantage here, but I think Webb Simpson is probably going to – if he's healthy, which I think he is, I think he's going to eat this course up. He's great on, on the par-5 scoring. He's great um, strokes gain par-5, however you want to slice that up. Uh, I think he can really get hot with the putter. I think the ball striking is going to be there. This is definitely a good course fit for him. And by the way, Patrick Reed, Tee to Green – ball striking has been pretty good as well, especially last week. So I think Patrick Reed is a really sneaky sort of pivot. Uh, and I think Webb Simpson is too. I mean, they're going to be somewhat popular, but they're not going to be as popular as your, your Bryson's of the world. So those are probably my two favorite. I think Hideki is interesting, but I don't trust the putter. So I might have a share or two, but my favorite guy is Webb Simpson for sure. And then I think it's probably Patrick Reed and then Bryson. That's interesting.
0: I, uh, I my favorite in
1: this range is going
0: to be Patrick Reed by a lot. Oh,
1: okay. Uh,
0: I think he we've his form is really good. I think we're seeing improved ball striking from him, which is usually his weakness. He's always going to be a good around the green and putting. So if we're getting him in a hot streak where he's striking the ball really well, um, I think we're getting the best version of Patrick Reed. And in a watered down field, um, I think he might be. You know, other than Bryson on paper, I think he's the best golfer. So I'm that's my number one play is going to be Patrick Reed. Um, I was you know, for those that want to play him, it's just getting, you got to get different with how you build your rosters, but I'm totally fine with that. I actually like Kadeki too, because I think Kadeki is the best ball striker in this field. Now you're going to need him to have a hot putting week, which, you know, for him is hit or miss, but he's one that has a lot of upside. So he's a GPP. He's a high, high ceiling type guy. I wouldn't play him in your cash games. I like him more as a GPP type. Now I like Webb a lot too. I am a little concerned with Webb. I don't feel like we're getting the best version of him right now. Uh, you saw he had like a blow up day at the Open a couple weeks ago. Um, and, you know, when Webb's clicking and all things are considered, you know, I probably would take him to win this tournament. I just don't know if he's in his best form. And the other thing I'll, I'll mention with, with him is uh, this is going to be a, what is it? I um, was <laughs> It's not Ross. What's the, the – is it Donald Ross? Is that the guy who designed the Ross, course? Donald yeah. Ross, yeah. Donald Ross. So it's a Donald Ross course. So like if you wanted to look – and he only has a few courses. It's not the same as doing like a Pete Dye course where there's kind mm-hmm. of horses, for his course and stuff like that. But if you wanted to look at just how guys have done on Donald Ross courses, he probably will be the number one guy. So he does have a history here. This design should suit his eye. So if that's a narrative you want to play into, then Webb will, will probably be one of the more uh,
1: – better fits for this tournament. Yeah, a couple notes on on Webb and Reed before we move on. I mean, I, like as far as Webb is concerned, I agree with you about the sentiment that he's just been a little bit off, but but I will say this. You're trying to get somebody early, right? So like I mean, I think if you get Webb and he clicks you, you like you you have found the ultimate spot to kind of fi- find a superstar early. And and as underwhelming as his game has been the last 20 tournaments, literally 20 and the dates back to 2020 obviously, he's lost Four times he's lost uh, strokes T to green. So this is like a tee to green monster. So, I, I mean, I, I think, and, and I only say that because we know he can have a hot putter. So if you match up what we what we normally get from him, tee to green with a hot putter, then I think he's just such a kind of like a sneaky-ish play. I mean, he is going to have some ownership, but I think he's a sneaky-ish play considering people don't think he's necessarily the best course fit and not in the best form. The last point on Reed, I mean, just last week, you mentioned the ball striking. He actually lost two strokes putting, which I think is a little unusual. He can get hot with the putter. But guess how many strokes he gained last week tee to green at the ta- Travelers? You want to guess? Because you're asking higher higher than, than I would have anticipated. So I'll say three and a half. No, it's eight. I'm talking total. He gained eight strokes, T to Green. I mean, this, I mean, it was like, like one of the top three in the field. I'm not looking at it right now, but he was a, an absolute monster. So you're getting him in good form. And I just think it's such an interesting, interesting pivot to go web uh, off Bryson, I'm saying, to go to Webb or Patrick Reed for sure.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I, I think that uh, those are really smart plays, especially this week. Uh, this is a bit of a unique course. Um, but let's go down to the 9k range. This is a pretty small range again. So it's only a handful of guys down here. Um, for me, I think Bubba's an easy fade. I just think this is a miss miss price. He's playing great. Obviously we saw him competing the last couple of weeks, but, um, I don't like seeing Bubba in the 9,000 range. I just, I just don't think he's that good. So I won't be playing any shares of Bubba this week. Now, Joaquin Neiman, I think is interesting from a perspective of his ball striking actually has been there. So he's, He's been okay hitting the ball, and you know he's capable of being the most elite ball striker in this tournament. His short game hasn't been, and that's where he's been getting hurt. But you know, if you're buying into that, might get neutralized on this course. Then he's the play because if that does get neutralized and he's just crushing the ball all week, uh, I think he could compete. I, I do think he's a little, he's priced a little higher than I would like for Joaquin Neiman. But again, this watered downfield, uh, he can win this tournament. And I don't, I'm hoping his own buy. Uh, just because he hasn't been as good as we've seen him be more recently. Uh, I'll the one person because I know Sia has a good take on the other person down here that I want to mention, and one of my more one of my favorite plays for the week is Matthew Wolf. So I'm gonna go back, right? We saw him come out at the open. He looked really good. He was attacking holes, getting birdies, bombing it. Um, then he kind of cooled off toward the very end. And then last week, he had one blow-up day, which kind of caused him to miss the cut. But the other day, he was solid. So it wasn't just like he's completely lost it. He had one bad day. Now we're coming back here at a tournament where he has a runner-up. I, he's he's, I think he's in good form. After I think we're getting some of that form we saw at the Open. We know he's going to bomb it. They shouldn't get in trouble if he sprays it into the rough. We know he can hit some putts. And down this range, I think people are not going to – he's not going to be too highly owned, I hope. We'll see if people come around to him because of his runner-up finish. The last time but um at the lowest price point in the 9k range someone who's done well for here i think he's finding something and i will be and even if he doesn't get you a top 10 he's a type of golfer that will score well for DraftKings. so he can maybe get you like 20th but actually get a lot of DraftKings kings points which could help you make some money so i like wolf a lot in this range
1: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, it's all about Wolf making the cut because if he makes the cut, I mean, we got four par fives here. We've got we've got a big hitter. He's definitely going to be scoring you some some DraftKings points on Saturday and Sunday if he clears the cut. So I actually think that the Matthew Wolf plays is pretty interesting. I'm actually surprised his projected ownership is in that thirteen to fourteen percent range. And that's not super high, by the way, compared to some of these other guys, but it's higher than I thought it would be. I, I thought he'd be more like you know ten percent, you know nine ish percent because we don't know what we're getting out of Matthew Wolf. But I'll tell you, Joaquin Neiman, I don't think I'm going to be on it's. It's for a couple reasons. I don't like that the proximities that are like 150 in. He's not really great at. It's kind of bad, but he's actually good everywhere else. I just don't think Joaquin Neiman. Is, he hasn't put the whole game together in quite some time. So I get it. I think in a in a in a in a GPP sense. I feel like he makes sense, but then I look at his ownership and I'm like, oh, people are paying attention to Queen I mean, Like we're looking at 18% for Joaquin Neiman. Like that's that's way more than I would have anticipated. So I'm like, all right, well, I don't see the point anymore. It, like now it's not a good GPP play. It's He's certainly not a good cash play in my opinion. So I think for me, the Neiman thing is more like, well, if, if I really like him, maybe I'll put an outright ticket on him or find him in a head-to-head, but I don't think I want to, I don't think I want to play him here at that ownership. The only guy I really like in this range, and I agree with you on Matthew Wolf uh, I think he's a decent play. I think he's got plenty of upside. Uh, Jason Kokrak is, you know, he rates out so well. I don't even think I need anybody who's listening to this show, whether it's on the podcast, join us on Apple podcast, by the way, or whether it's live on our YouTube channel, Um he rates out so well. Everything, off the tee, approach, putting. This guy is an absolute monster. And, and I, the, the only thing that actually fails him is the around the green game. And frankly, like that shouldn't be a huge issue on this particular course. So I think Jason Kokrak, he's going to be one of the most popular guys, if not the most popular in this entire field. But but good news about that. So you can take a couple chalky guys because when we get into the 7K range, I mean, it's kind of like totally up in the air. Like you're, gonna, you're just going to naturally get different because the 7K range is so big. And if you want to get into the 6K range, you can take a, a Jason Kokrak that's super chalky and it's totally okay. So I'm big on Jason Kokrak. I like his, I think his outright number is decent at 25 or 30 to one, depending on where you get it. But I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this about Jason Kokrak. I expect him to win this tournament. He is, I don't want to be beholden to a model he's number one in my model, but even if he wasn't, I'd be like, all right, so he's great off the tee. He's great on approach. He gets a hot putter. He's had a hot putter for quite some time. I think it's nine out of 10 tournaments he's been gaining with the putter in a very significant way. We're talking like four or five strokes sometimes. Oh, by the way, he can close tournaments because he's shown that as well this year. So, I mean, he literally checks. It's one of the few times where you have a golfer that literally checks every single box. So uh, with what we have up at the top, I think I fully expect Jason Kokrak to be in this thing late Sunday afternoon and to close this thing out. So I
0: agree with everything you said, except for one thing. Mm-hmm. He, I think he is a great fit. I think he checks every box. My only hesitation with him this week is the combination of ownership and who he is, right? If if it was, you know, um uh, let's say it was Hovland or Morikawa who was going to be the highest owned guy and we know who they are, their body of work. Um, I would be more keen to eat that ownership and play them. With Kokrak, I agree he's grading out really well here and I'm definitely going to have my share. So there's no way. I'm, I'm not fading him by any means. But I'm not going to have him as my high-end golfer just for the reason of I, – I, from an ownership standpoint, um,
1: I just think you know he's not in the elite enough range at this price where I want to go all in on. Yeah, no, I mean I, I totally understand that. I mean, this is this is a guy that might be the highest owned guy in the entire tournament. It's it's a hard sell when his name is Jason Kokrak. The only pushback I would give you is I just told you that the second highest priced guy in this in this field is Patrick Reed. I, yeah. I just told you that that the, the the fifth highest guy, I mean Will Zalatoris, listen, I Will Zalatoris is a great he's he's a great golfer. He's going to be a star on the PGA tour for probably the next 20 to 30 years, but He's Will Zalatoris, and he's the fifth priced golfer in this entire field on DraftKings. So it's one of those things where, like, yeah, you can make the argument that Jason Kokrak is Jason Kokrak, but I'm making the counter argument that, well, we don't have any stars in this field. For the record, Bryson is a star for reasons that may not be. Like be star worthy, you know what I'm saying? Like he's won tournaments. Don't get me wrong, but like Bryson's not Brooks. Okay, let's let's settle that debate right now. Bryson's not Jordan Spieth. Bryson's not Roy McIlroy. Bryson is not you. You name the top flight, got Dustin Johnson, Justin Thompson. Bryson is none of those guys. So the argument here is there are no superstars in this field. So I understand Bryson gets all all the you know media attention, but there's no superstars in this field. So Jason Kokrak is basically in this sort of like top, you know, 10, 15 golfers that are like the elite players in this Rocket Mortgage field. And honestly, I'd put them up against, if you gave me a matchup, Jason Kokrak versus Bryson, and you said it was minus 110 each way, I'm taking Jason Kokrak. If you give me a matchup and you say it's Jason Kokrak versus Hideki Matsuyama, and it's minus 110 each way, I'm taking Jason Kokrak. I might have to think about it if it's Webb Simpson and I'm taking him. I'm taking Kokrak over Reed as well. The only guy I'm even considering in a head-to-head matchup, in terms of, hey, I might not just outright take uh, Jason Kokrak, is Webb Simpson. And frankly, Kokrak's form is way better than Webb Simpson, so I don't even know what I'm doing there. So that's really like how I'm evaluating him. And it's like, all right, I'm taking the best guy in this field. I'll get different in many other places because this is going to be a ve- very random set of golfers that are going to emerge on Sunday afternoon. I think your assessment's pretty accurate. I
0: think. A contrarian thought process for those that are interested is only this: um, if if you agree, I think he's a top five guy in this tournament. No matter how you look at, it, he's a top five pick. He's definitely okay. there. But if you look at that, the field's weaker, and you can go down to the eight K range. there's just not as big of a gap. So you can be, you know, at ownership, right? You can just go down a little bit more. There's not that big a gap and get more balance, uh, have lower ownership, and you're not making as big drastic of a difference. Whereas, like you know, Jason Kukrak's my favorite. He's 7500 and he's in a field with Morikawa Haviland, you know DJ, all those guys and he's you know not that much worse than him because now he's the value play in the field with the bigger names now he's at the value play. but then again, like you said, if he goes out and wins the tournament it doesn't matter what we're talking about, you need him in your lineup because if he wins, you know he's going to get the most points. So it's a matter of you know, what, who you think's going to win, how good you think he's going to do and, and how you want to kind
1: of allocate your uh, ownership if you will. Well so Joel, uh, mm-hmm. professional host, what a great segue into the 8K range that you, my friend, have argued is potentially filled with at least a few or a couple golfers that might sort of match the firepower of your, you know, Jason Kokrak's of the world. So please, please advise, because I got to be honest, I don't, there's a couple guys I like in the 8K range, but nobody I really love. So, so tell me, what, what are we doing in the 8K range?
0: Yeah, so here for me, I'm looking at the bottom of this range. So, most of the top, I'm fading. Uh, Hoffman pulled out. Um, I don't love Day for this core, so I'm gonna go all the way down to. Um, I'm gonna start with Max Homa. Uh, I like Max Homa, don't love him. If uh, Isaiah brought up a, a really good um, uh, Isaiah in the chat now, brought up a really good narrative. He seems to do well every third tournament. He has two missed cuts and then he gets a top ten. Two missed cuts at a top ten. So we're on the third where he's supposed to give us a top ten. So if you're buying into that narrative, this is the week. Um, from a foreign perspective, is he's not been great. So, um, if you just buy that, you know, he maybe he finds something or practices something a certain way to get back, and he'll find it this week. You know, that's something. But he's also, again, in this field, uh, I think he's better than he would be in one of those major fields or something like mm-hmm. that. But He can certainly pop here. Um, uh, and going down to the bottom of this range, I think two of my favorite plays are going to be Tringal and Griot. Um, I think both guys have the ball striking numbers that we want and it's going kind to of pull into the narrative of we just need someone to get hot with the putter and these are guys that if they were priced at 9k or in the high eights we wouldn't be surprised so i do feel like we're getting not a huge discount but a bit of a discount which allows us to get squeeze in you know your reed simpson bryson what you want to do and then have these guys where we can kind of balance out that roster and, and the last guy in this range that i like that i'll be playing is Garrick Higo? I mean, we saw Higo won a tournament, win a tournament in a field similar to this one just a couple weeks ago. Uh, you know he can get hot with the putter. He's usually he doesn't really have too many weaknesses. So it's just a matter of if he puts it all together, he'll, he'll definitely be able to compete. And the thing I love about Higo more than anything is his price tag. Right? He's we're getting him at a number below that 8,500 where uh, we can kind of build around him. And I I don't think he's I actually like him better than a lot of like 8K range. So
1: it allows me to be. Uh, going to fit my lineups together better. We are in complete agreement in this range. I mean, I I love Garrett Kego. And 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 it's not because oh, I want to be on the new shiny object. It's because I'm looking at what he's done both on the European Tour and on the PGA Tour, which obviously there's only so many rounds on the PGA Tour. We know he won a tournament and we know he's missed two cuts since then. But here's the good news. The ball striking has been there the entire time. What's really held him back for the last couple of tournaments is What's, what's led to the missed cuts is the around the green game. For some reason, and by the way, he's typically okay around the green, but for some reason he's been really, really bad around the green. Well, okay, a couple things. One, that probably won't hurt him too badly here. Two, the ball striking metrics are still very positive. And the best part is the putter. He's gained putting in three or four tournaments he's played on in the PGA Tour. So, you know, you're getting what you want from this tournament. You're getting the ball striker who can get hot with the putter and who has been hot with the putter. So that's really the point. And by the way, Garrick Higo, when he's winning on the European Tour, and even when he, when he won, I guess it was the Palmetto, right? those weren't really talented fields. He probably like just to get into the psychology of it, he's probably showing up to this tournament thinking like, Oh, I actually, I've got like a legitimate chance here to really like stamp my name onto the PGA tour. I think he's going to be coming in here really confident in uh, the metrics back it up. And I'll just, I'll just scoot past Grio and Tringali. I think they're both great plays. I think Grio, you know, he's, he's coming off a surprising miscut, but he can get hot with the putter, and we know the ball striking is there, and we know off the tee he's actually better and longer than people think. So I think is a risky play, but I think he's a good play. And Cameron Tringal, I think we're getting early. So if you remember a few months ago, and I, I have all these guys in my initial picks article, windailysports.com. It's free for everybody, I believe. But I, I think Tringal's interesting because we, all, we were all in love with Tringal like three, four months ago. Ball striking was great, and then all of a sudden he just kind of fell off, and everybody's sort of forgotten about him. Well, this is a seasoned golfer. So we can rely on the idea that like, okay, he's just having a bad stretch, but we know what we saw before with the ball striking wasn't some aberration. Like this is, that was who came and Tringale is. We know he can get hot with the putter. So yeah, I, I like Tringale quite a bit. Although I, I do, a, I would say it's kind of risky. I wouldn't necessarily jam him into the cash, the cash games. I think Higo, believe it or not, might be a better cash game player uh, this particular week. But yeah, I like all three of those guys. You mentioned Higo, Griot, and Tringale. I'll, I'll just mention Gary Woodland. I think he's a good course fit. And he rated out really well in my model. I
0: love it. I love it. It's uh, I want, it's always a good time when we're aligned for uh, this. But let's drop down. You know, it seems like we like some of the guys in the upper tier a lot. So for us to build lineups with them in it, we need to be able to find value down here in the seven K range. So. In the upper tier here, Sia, so yeah, who do you like?
1: So the first guy that I, that I wrote up on my article, and I, and I got to say, I was just on the Better Golf Pod with um, Spencer Aguiar, uh, which, by the way, is, is a great podcast. Everybody should have already subscribed to it. Um, Apple Podcast, Better Golf Pod. It's B-E-T-T-O-R. But uh, Nick Brettwish is usually on that show. I subbed in for him because he's on vacation. We talked about Brendan Todd a lot and, and actually on uh, we did on the first cut as well. Now that I think about it, I think Brendan Todd is really in a good spot to capitalize on really probably low ownership. I don't think this is a guy that people are going to be paying attention to for a couple of reasons. The play hasn't been spectacular from Brendan Todd. It's not the guy who was like taking down tournaments like he was last year. And, and frankly, he doesn't appear to be a good course fit, or at least that's the perception that he's not going to be a course fit. He's a shorter hitter. Um, I'll tell you though the game is coming on. Uh, he gained almost six strokes tee to green at the Traveler, so the ball striking is seems to be coming back. And more importantly, this is a guy who can get hot with the putter as well. He didn't do great with the putter last week, uh, and that that's what held him back to I think it was his thirtieth place finish. But I think Brendan Todd at seventy nine hundred is going to seem expensive to some people when they can drop down and take the the Sep Strakas or the Alex Norens of the world, who I think are going to be popular in a lot of DFS circles. But I think I'm going to go with the the perceived overprice of Brendan Todd and see see what happens with that. As far as other guys in the upper 7K range, I don't like this range that much. Um, I thought I was going to like Lucas Glover. I thought I was going to like Brant Snedeker. I don't think I'm going to be on them. I think Snedeker is a decent play, but, but I don't think Lucas Glover is as good of a play as people think. I will say this. Spencer brought up Maverick McNeely. And I think he's a really, really smart play. The more I looked into him, the more I realized, like, this is a guy that can really get hot with the ball striking and really get hot with the putter, the ingredients we want. Uh, he's coming in, you know, pretty good form. He's 30th at the Travelers last week, not bad. Really good course fit here. Um, so as far as that upper 7K range, I'll probably stop there. I think Chez Revy is interesting. I think Kyle Stanley is also interesting, but he, you know, he's always going to lose with the putter, unfortunately. So I don't think you're going to get the spike with Kyle Stanley that you're looking for. Um, But I do like, uh, like I said, I do like Brendan Todd. I do like Maverick McNeely. And I think Shez Revy, I'll have a couple of shares there too.
0: I like it. I like it. You know, I think you made some really interesting points about Brendan Todd. My first reaction to Todd, and I didn't even take a deeper look, was that he did well last week because that was like a course fit for him. That's a course that we know he likes. And I thought Mm -hmm. maybe he was getting, you know, a little bit overvalued because he did well. And of course, that's a good course fit for him. But now that I take a little deeper look, I think you're right. I think it's not just last week. He has been coming on a little bit more than just last week. Um, and I think there's a little bit more to it than, than just that. So I'm going to have to take spend a little bit more time looking at the top. I think you're right. I think that could be a, a good value play. It's someone that shouldn't carry too high ownership either this week.
1: Um, but go ahead. No, I was going to say we have a question here um, from Ivan. It's a really good question because – You would think, and and by the way, for those listening on the podcast, it it, it says, is Kramer Hickok going to be highly owned after last week's eight-hole playoff loss? So, I mean, I think I mean, the eight-hole playoff loss I don't think is is super relevant to the question. It's just more like, hey, this guy was really good last week. He probably should have won. I mean, throughout that playoff, I was like, this guy's the better golfer right now. But somehow uh, Harris English was able to pull that out. But the projected ownership for him looks really low. So if you're looking to, I mean it doesn't, feel, I mean, I wanted to say it doesn't feel like a great course fit, but that's not necessarily true for, true for Cameron Hickok. What's really interesting to me is that Hickok really, what we, Joel, you and I talked about Hickok a lot late last year because the approach game was like, oh wow, this guy's like kind of, you know, the, the ball striking w- was pretty good. And then the approach game completely went away and it just, it just hasn't been good. But yeah, I mean, you can take a flyer on him. I mean, not only was he second at the Travelers, but he missed the cut at the Palmetto, but the tournament he played before that he was 14th. So he's flashing the type of upside that that you definitely want. Now the question is, at 7600, is he worth it when you're measuring him against some of the guys that we just talked about, or like the Seamus Powers of the world that were, that are right below him, or you know we'll get into the the Lebiotas and, and other people we might like. So I, I don't know that this is the place for him. I don't know if this is the spot for him, like psychologically after last week. But I don't think it's a bad play at all, Ivan. I think at less than 5% ownership, a guy and Joel, you let me know what you think. Uh, this, this seems like a, a kind of a clever play, especially if ownership is going to stay this far down. Uh, it'd be interesting. I'm um, at this price. I don't love
0: him. I think if we had him, uh, five, $600 cheaper, I think I would be more intrigued. Yeah. Um, one of the things with him, and it's a similar thought process I had with him as I did with Todd. I liked him a little bit more last week, you know, and he, I didn't play him much, obviously, I'll be honest, but he didn't kind of make my radar last week because he's a very accurate driver, and we knew he needed to hit fairways last week to compete, and he was able to do so. That won't be as important here. Guys can spray it all over the I – mean, the two top finishers last year were Wolf and Bryson, who never make fairways. So um, with, I think, taking away one of his biggest strengths, which is you know accuracy off the tee, I'm not sure that he has enough elsewhere to carry him to in this tournament. So I won't be playing him, but – a guy who was was that hot last week for four days. I don't think it would. I wouldn't hate on anyone who decided to give him a shot this week.
1: Yeah, now, that makes
0: sense. Now going back to the rest of this field, my, one of my favorite plays in the upper seven k range is Doc Redman. This mm-hmm. is a guy who I never usually like. He, I am not a Doc Redman guy, uh, but Doc's ball tracking numbers are really good, I mean, he's found something. He's a you know, he's almost like a, a diet version of Harris English, right? Where he completely disappeared for a long time. And now he's coming back, obviously not as strong as Harris is, but he's playing way better in the last couple of weeks. We've seen him really striking the ball. Well, if his putter, if his flat stick heats up this week, he can definitely compete in this tournament. So at 7,900, I think that we're getting more than a fair price for him. And I think he's the one that can help you kind of round out your lineups. Um Going down, you know, I like – I prefer a little bit longer. I know of the lower end of the 7K range. I know a lot of people like Steps Chaka. I'll have a few shares. He he, striking the ball well last week. But last week was a pop for him. It wasn't like he had a lot going on before that. He popped. If you think he's found something, he's going to do it again. I'm okay with that. Uh, And I would be okay with with playing him. But this is not someone we're saying hasn't been in good form for weeks. This is someone who's found something last week, and we're hoping to carry that over another week. I actually love Ches Reevy. So Ches Reevy's a guy who's known to be a good short game player. Uh, That's But uh, what people aren't talking about is his approach numbers have been for Ches Reavy, I mean, for anyone, they've been outstanding. It's not just last week; it's in the last few weeks. He seems to have done something. Uh, and if we're going to get him, game, you know, three, four strokes, and he has a hotter, he good around the green. Um, he should certainly compete this weekend at this price range. Uh, it's pretty safe. I mean, is it pretty? Cool. We actually like the buy So at 7,600, you can jam in, top range and still afford uh, to rent with a guy like, Le- yeah, no, I like, I, that. Like- I, I yeah. 500
1: or 7,400 and below range. So, anyone down the The 7,500 and below range? Um, I mean, Seamus Power is in the field. I I think, I think that's really reasonable. Uh, he was in terms of the price, uh, he's been been on fire lately. I mean, this is not this is this is a good golfer at this point. 19th at the Travelers, probably should have been better. 19th at the Palmetto. Um, ninth at the Byron Nelson, when well, that was a tournament he played before that. He's ma- he's he's making cuts. And by the way, in 2020, he was 12th here. So he's going to emerge as a really popular guy this this week for sure. As we go down the range a little bit, listen, I like Hank Lebiota again. I think Hank Lebiota, that the problem with him last week is he gained 5.83 strokes putting, but his ball striking wasn't very good. The good news there is that the ball striking for him is typically very good. So if he's going to, if the ball striking is going to be there and the putter is going to be like it was last week or even close to that, he's going to be in very good shape. So I like him. I, I like Hank Lebiota quite a bit. Um, as we go down the 7K range, it's starting to get like really scary here, if if we're being honest. Um, there's a couple guys that I'm at least interested in. Bo Hostler is one of them. And if you look at him on any model, he's not going to grade out very well at all. I mean, he's... It's just the last two tournaments, 10th at the Travelers, 19th at the Palmetto. Uh, the, the putter can get really hot with Bo hostler and the ball striking is actually pretty good. So I think Bo hostler's is an interesting play there. So I, I look at Doug Gim at 7,000, and I'm like, am I really going to do that to myself? It, it, he cannot putt. He has no short game whatsoever. I think if you wanted to take him because you wanted a guy at 7,000, you needed a guy at 7,000, I think I'd probably be okay with that. But then again, I'd also probably just pivot down to somebody in the, and we'll talk about the the upper 6K range, but somebody in the, the upper 6K range. So um, as we wait for Joel to come back, I do want to talk about this comment from Bobby Dove, who, and as I'm checking the score of the basketball game, because he references it, I don't know why you're watching the basketball game. I mean, there's no Trey Young, but um, oh, Joel, you will be my mentor. I'm joking. No, I'm not. Okay, that's not the comment I was talking about. It is this comment. NBA game is on, but I would rather be here learning off. You guys see amazing call on Hammering Hank last week, and that's from Optimizer Prime. That's his name in our Discord. Um, for those of you listening, check out our Discord, uh, because a lot of our picks are are in there, and um, especially our secret weapon, and Hammering Hank Lebiota was our secret weapon. Joel, welcome back. So Bobby Dove had made a comment about, hey, thanks for the hammer and hand call. So for everybody that doesn't know, before we round out the 7K range, um, every Wednesday night, I put in a secret weapon play, which is, a, which is a play of a golfer who was projected to be 5% owned or less. Actually, I should say less than 5% owned because I've never taken a 5% owned golfer. It's always been somewhere in the 1% or 0% to 4% range. But it's got to be that and they've got to be priced at 6900 or less. So under 7000 and under 5% owned. Last week it was Hank Leviota. He was 1.5% owned and that was the Discord the Wind Daily Discord secret weapon and everybody who leaned on him including myself was able to cash in, in lineups that were 5 out of 6 cuz I was leaning on Keegan Bradley. He missed the cut by a stroke, but the good news is I had Hank Leviota in a lot of lineups and so I was able to cash in most of my single entries. So um get into Discord my record on that secret weapon again less than 7K in price and less than 5% ownership. Believe it or not, my record is 38 and 10. A lot of those 38 have actually contended like Hank Lebiota did, at least for a few minutes uh, on Sunday afternoon. So um, you got to get into the Wind Daily Sports Discord. But Joel, I was just done basically going down the low end 7K range. I mentioned Lebiota, of course. I mentioned Bo Hostler as just kind of a dart throw. Outside of that in the low 7K range, there's not a lot of guys I'm in love with. I did mention Seamus Power and... I don't know, man. Is there is there anybody else in this low seven k range that you even like, or do you like any of the guys I mentioned? Yeah, I think Seamus Power is getting
0: overlooked. Um, I think he's a guy that competes. Uh, he's can bomb the ball out there, and he's a well rounded. He's not just a bomber. He has a complete game. So uh, I think Seamus Power is actually underpriced. I, I like him a lot this week. I think he's can jam into our lineup down in this range. Um, another flyer down here that I like that I'm going to take a shot on this week is Patton Kazire. So mm-hmm. Patton Kazire is a guy we know can get hot with the flat stick. At one point this year, maybe like a month ago, I think he was leading the tour in strokes gained putting, which is probably a little bit of an outlier for him. He's probably higher than he really will average out to be, but I do think he's a better putter than he's getting credit for. And we've also seen him get hot with his irons where he's gained four and five strokes on the field with his iron play. Now the last two tournaments he's you know hasn't been in the best form, and I think that's going to cause his ownership to come way down. but this is not a guy that's far away from that. I mean we're talking a couple weeks ago he was killing the ball and he was competing in some of these tournaments. So I think Kazar is a guy that I think people are just starting to sleep on maybe he's a one or two weeks where he hasn't been in his best form. and then in a field like this where you don't have all the big hitters, I think he can from a perspective, I think he's a, a good way to get different. Kind of scrolling down this range. Um, not too much. I love, but I do like going back to the hammer, hammer and Hank Lebiota. I mean, see, an unbelievable call last week with him. I do think he's just he's playing really well. It's, it's another guy that scheme seems to be well rounded right now. He's doing a lot of things well, and uh, I think at this, I'm happy with him. Probably five or six hundred dollars more. So I'm gonna go back to them there. Uh, Andrew Putnam's a guy I like. I think he's a guy who hasn't been too strong with his short game recently. But that is something he's more known for. He's a short game guy. So if he finds his short game, which is his strength, uh, his ball striking has been better than uh, normal for him. If he gets it all together this week, I think he can compete. So, again, another GPP play. I don't think he'll he'll come with a high ownership tag this week. Uh, And and, and as people are mentioning in the chat, I I agree. I'm I'm on Troy Merritt. Troy Merritt in the last 24 rounds, I think. And let me just make sure I'm I'm giving you an accurate number here. Yeah, number one. Number one in strokes gained putting in this field. So, um, you know, obviously, he can get hot with the putter. The putter's there. We've seen him be a little hit or miss with the irons, uh, but but we've seen it Over the last couple of months. He's been playing really strong golf, and I think this is a this is a type of field where guys like him can excel and, and get to the top. So, those are some ways that we can jam in those, those top 10k guys. It's almost it does feel a bit like a stars and scrubs and find these guys to fill up the rest of our lineups.
1: Yeah, uh, I mean, the thing the, the only pushback I have with um with Meredith is. He's so good with the putter that his finishing positions are pretty misleading. I mean, the ball striking has not been good for Troy Merritt. So it's kind of one of those things where like, yeah, this is the tournament to play in potentially because if the ball striking is even decent and the putter is what it's been, holy cow, this guy can pop. I'm just like for me, I almost feel like he's better for like a first round leader, which I don't have him as one or like a showdown because I just don't think he can survive with the putter for four rounds. But I totally get it there. Um, There was a question about, go ahead. You're right. Like normally, every other week that we do this, we are always like, "Don't chase putters. Never
0: chase putters." Yeah. Like we never do that. We hate chasing putters. Right? I think this is like the one week we're like flipping the script. We're like we're chasing putters this week. Like mm-hmm. we never do that. We're just, we're just. I'm, I am at least. I'm playing this week a little differently. Where I normally never want to chase putters because they're so hard to predict. But this is the one week where I'm. I'm not going to play that way. I'm going to go after the good putters, and we'll see how it does for us.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. Um, Let's see. Isaiah chiming in again. Thank you, Isaiah. Yeah, for for everybody listening, um, every time you go to a a Win Daily YouTube show, whether it's ours or whether it's uh, stuff that John Jansen does with Mike North or Ghost does or Nick Brettwish or whoever it is, always hit the like button. It actually helps Win Daily quite a bit. So we're going to try to just generate some noise around that. So you guys like just kind of auto- Autopilot that, and and you hit the like button. We we definitely appreciate that. So Isaiah, thanks for reminding everybody there. Um, yeah. So uh, I we had a question about Austin Ekro, but I don't know where is he priced. He must be in this. Oh, he's he's sixty seven hundred. Um, speaking of, okay. Do you want to go into the six k range? Let's do it. Let's go. Go ahead. See so who do you like in the top part of the of the six k range. Yeah. So I wrote down. I mean, I'll just give you like all my the 6K guys that I'm going to be focused on. Um it goes down it goes down to 6,300. I'll tell you I'm not going to be on Ekbrot. Um I I looked, at, you know, he doesn't have a lot of, of of stats on the PGA tour, but I I didn't I didn't like what I saw. I didn't I didn't love the numbers. So I, I that's that's going to be a pass for me. But I do like Satoshi Kodaira again. Um he was great last week other than you know over the weekend he sort of fell back a little bit. But He's been great with the ball striking. He's been great with the putter. So it's not, this isn't a situation where we're like, oh, we're chasing last week's points. No, 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 go look. He's been good for like four tournaments in a row. It just so happens the ball striking wasn't good last week, but he's been great with the ball striking the weeks before that. And he's been really hot with the putter. So great formula, right, Joel? All right, I have to, I have to jump in here. So I agree with you. And like I said, I'm doing something
0: different this week. I'm, I'm, I'm putting more priority on putting. He has been unreal putting the last four weeks. So, if you're really waiting that, you know, he's good, should score really well here. His ball striking is in there. Last week, his ball striking regressed a little bit, not terribly. But other than that, he has been striking the ball well. And he's at the bottom of this theory. He doesn't get a lot of props. I looked on DraftKings. He was 230 to 1 to win this tournament. I immediately put a, a big, pretty hefty bet on it because it's going to be a huge bet. No, you know, listen. Yeah, I wouldn't recommend putting too much money on Satoshi Kodaira to win this tournament. But for me, I just like the odds. I'll just be honest with you. I bet $150 on him. It's going to pay out $35,000 when he wins. So feel free to derive that. I already saw since I put it in, he's dropped from 230 to one to
1: 160 to one. So oh my god, move the market! <laughs> I guarantee you move the market because you were the only bet that probably came in on him. And they're like, uh oh, this guy who just hit us for a few k on Harris English is betting Satoshi Kodaira alarm bells go off okay so yeah I like kadira quite a bit I think he's mispriced frankly I think you could at this point you could put Kedira at like where uh, believe it or not I think you could put Kedira where with power powers who I know everybody's in love with I think you could put him at 7500 and I wouldn't be like I'd be like oh wow his price went up I wouldn't be like well that's unfair I, I would be like yeah 7500 7400 I guess that makes sense uh, a couple other guys Adam shank is 6500 he is kind of an up and down guy he hasn't been that good lately the metrics aren't going to jump off the page but He's played here twice and he's finished thirtieth and forty second. I think that's enough for me in this range. If you have to dip this low to sixty five hundred, where it's like, all right, I'll take a, I'll take a chance on that. Uh, another guy that that I have here, Chris Baker at sixty three hundred. Um, he graded out okay in my model, kind of just like just under the cut line so that, you know, it, it's decent. Uh, he's just one of those guys. He's made two cuts in a row. Um, you know, sometimes the putter is there. Sometimes the ball striking is there. I He finished 45th here last year. So I think, again, if you're dipping down to 6,300, which we're talking like the bottom of the range, I think you could take a shot on a Chris Baker.
0: Totally. Yeah, I, I actually like it. He was on my radar as well. Um, that's when I didn't make my loss, but it was someone I was, I was considering. Um, and then as I go down to my six range 500 lowest price guy that I have in my player pool. Um, but there's a few guys in this upper six K range that I think we can play. I want to start with Henrik Norlander. I yeah. think Norlander, yeah. you know, we've seen him get hot. There's stretches where he's competed and there's stretches where he completely collapses. So this is not a cash game play. This is not a guy that you want to be too heavy on. But he is someone that can, can pop and does have enough up upside for us in these GPPs where we can round out our lineups and he can compete. I think he had a tie for 12th here last year, so he's done well on this course before. Um, going down to this rate, I think Patrick Rogers. Now, Patrick Rogers isn't the guy that's going to be the putter, right, not someone that we're targeting for that reason. But his ball striking has been pretty strong. I mean, he's been good off the tee. He's been striking the ball well. If he can find a putter this week and sink a few putts, then he can't compete, but, you know, that's asking a lot of him. So, uh, again, temper your expectations, but he is someone that has, uh, for a 6,000 golfer, really good ball striking numbers. Uh, now, a name that we mentioned a lot on this show recently that kind of hasn't been around, Camilo Villegas. So, Camilo Viegas is a guy that, you know, seems to pop with a top 10. He does have that upset, and we've seen him do it a bunch of times on tour. And these are the types of guys that I go after in the 6K range that, of course, he's volatile, of course, he can miss the cut, but he does have that top 10 upside that could be a difference maker in some of these GPP lineups. So I'm going to be sprinkling some of him and hoping, you know, it all clicks for him this week. Um, and he can get you in that top 10 range on the leaderboard. Um, the last couple guys I want to mention, I like Benny. Ann. if you want to look at it, another volatile guy, so if you want to play him and show him that's where I would target him, but perfectly fair play down mid to low six K range. And the last guy I'm going to mention down here that, that I actually like a lot is probably my favorite 6K range play is going to be Vaughn Taylor. Vaughn is someone that we know can get out with the putter. He's done that before. And he right now has the best ball striking approach numbers I've seen from him in a very long time. The last few tournaments he's gained four or five strokes on approach. So if he can put all those things together this week in a bit of a diluted field, uh, I think he's someone that we can see pop for GPPs.
1: Yeah, I'll, I'll make a note. Uh, I like those plays on Patrick Rogers. So, the thing about the putting, I mean, it's, it's kind of hilarious. He lost seven point six four strokes putting just last week, which is <laughs> uh, I'm pretty sure I'm actually almost positive that led the field. I think Bryce Garnett led the field in, in strokes gained putting, and Patrick Rogers led the field in in like losing strokes gained putting with seven point six four. But the the good news about Patrick Rogers is he sometimes pops with the putter. The problem with him is the approach game has been a little off. But I do kind of like him. You know, stay tuned for our first round leader section, which is going to happen in, in a minute or so. But I do kind of like him in showdown. Um, maybe day one or day two, or if he makes the cut, Day, three, you know, whatever it is. Um, I think he's an interesting play for like a first round leader, like a, like a one. It wouldn't surprise me at all if he pops on day one. So I think that's a really interesting play, but I just wanted to throw that out there.
0: I like that. I think that you're, you're dead on. And there are, especially in the 6K range, when we're talking about guys that can pop, those are the guys we mean that are good for showdown because they're also likely to blow up. So it might be mm-hmm. hard to make the cut or get all four days. But if you can just get that one day on that showdown where they go four or five under, right, that's enough where you can kind of hit one of those, you know, single day tournaments.
1: Yeah, uh, absolutely. I think that's a
0: wrap for the DFS side of things. Uh, let's go take it over and look at some outright, some first round leaders for the week. Uh, I know is going to be able to empty his mega cap this week on some first round leader. But before we get there, Sia, do you have any
1: outrights you like this week? Um, let me ask you this first. So you hung out with Michael Vick um, just this last weekend in South Florida, my my where I live in my backyard. I'm kind of jealous I wasn't there now. But the point is, can I just ask you real quick? This is I, I know this is a total aside, but but I have a question. Sure. It's fourth down. Michael Vick. Every quarterback you can think of for this question is in their prime. Okay. Okay. It's fourth down and sixteen. fourth and 16 okay and and like it's the game's almost over you're on like the 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 20 yard line essentially and you need to score a touchdown give me five like isn't vic in the conversation for like top five quarterbacks just like make something happen on like a like a fourth and super long so you were saying 20 going in or 20 the opposite 20 20 going in. Like so you're like on the like 20 25 yard line. So there is some space. Let's say 25 yard line. It's 4th and 16. You got to make maybe it's the 35. But but you are you're 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 in striking distance which is like a minute left. It's 4th and 16. Is Michael Vick like at least in the conversation of top 5 guys? I mean obviously like you want to say Brady, you want to say Peyton Manning, but you also want a guy with wheels that can just make something happen, right? Who who else comes to mind? In that
0: scenario, in that scenario, Vick is really interesting for this reason. He's just as good, like if you're throwing up, listen, I'm not saying he's the best deep ball thrower or, or jump ball thrower, definitely not, but he's got a cannon. He can throw it up there for your guy if you if you got the right matchup to do so. But what's also cool about Vic is if you spread him out and everyone deep and they clear house and there's a lane, he, if, if he gets, he doesn't need a big lane. If he gets a lane, you're not catching him. He's faster than anyone else on your defense. So it gives you that extra option where you can't just sit three steep safeties because somebody's got to sit there and watch Mike And then if you don't and you just spy him, then you just have your guys run around, let him sit in the pocket until someone looks open and he can throw it. So he gets you a very dangerous combination.
1: So that's the thing. So in that scenario, so we know there's a plenty of quarterbacks, including slower guys like Patrick Mahomes that can, and by the way, we'll get to the, we'll get to the outrights in a second, but that can buy time with their feet and and there's just the pocket presence. They know where to shift and they buy time for the Tyreek Hills of the world and, and what have you. You know, Deshaun Watson's good at that. There's plenty of quarterbacks in history that have bought time, whether they're super athletic or not the thing about Vic that's so interesting on like a fourth and 20 or a fourth and 16 with time running out is that he doesn't just buy time. He can completely shift a defense by sprinting the other, like the other direction. Like it's not just like he's sidestepping and he's maneuvering and he's just like, you know, backing up. He can literally just like tuck the ball, run sideways, and then like look around again. And by that time you're seven seconds deep as a DB or a safety like there's three or four guys that, that, that are running out, you know, like it, towards the end zone. I just – I feel like he is like the – like if I had to put money on it and I'm like, oh, man, I, I, need a, I need to pick five quarterbacks to like come through on this play, I genuinely think Vic would be like third or fourth. Well, with that being
0: said, you just made me think of like My last football rant and then we'll go back to the, the outrage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Another interesting part I, I have sometimes is – Wouldn't you like to see a team try an offense like this with all guys like Michael Vick, Logan Thomas, Antoine Randall-El, every guy that has played quarterback before, and to spread them out, run all sorts of
1: motion. You never know who's playing quarterback. Mass confusion. Oh, I, I, I'm, I'm kind of shocked that that hasn't been incorporated on. Like, I mean, there have been plays where like college quarterbacks have like taken a pitch. Like I think Edelman played football, Antoine Randall L when he was with Washington, he he had in Pittsburgh, he had some of those gimmicky plays, but it's never like a set that they use over and over again. Why not? I mean, uh, that's happening. Like. I guarantee you that's going to be incorporated, like in in the next couple of years, where where a, a former quarterback is going to have like a consistent role in that regard. I mean, Taysom Hill is kind of that guy to a degree, but he's he's sort of a different animal. But um, last comment before we get to outrights, we got Ivan chiming in. I watched Vic run for a touchdown against the Vikings and continue going into the tunnel. So Vic is 100% an answer. All right, thank you for the support there. Okay, so outrights, I'm going to give you. I have like seven written down. But I don't know how how much I believe in a couple of these, so I'm not going to give you Webb at 18 to one because it's not fun. But I definitely think Webb and Coke Rack have the best odds of winning this tournament. I think if you can get Coke Rack at 30 to one, um, I think he, that's what he is on DraftKings. By the way, I think you have to take that. Um, I see him at 25 to one pretty much everywhere else. You know, I, I don't think that's a bad bet, but I, you know, it's, it's, you're losing, you know, it's not 30 to one. So I'm not, that's not a recommendation unless you can get Coke rack at 30 to one. So let's get into the longer shots, which we we like to do in the outright market. Um, Cameron Tringali at 45 to one. If he is the Cameron Tringali we all fell in love with early in the year, I think 45 to one in this field is great. Garrett Kigo at 50 to one. Um, It's somewhat long odds, fun odds. I think he can close. We've seen that. Ah, uh, Gary Woodland at fifty-five to one, and let's go Brendan Todd at sixty-six to one, and then finally Hammer and Hank Lebiota at one hundred and ten to one. If the ball striking is there for Hank Lebiota like it was two weeks ago and three weeks ago, and if you get the putter that Hank Lebiota had last week, he absolutely can be contending on Sunday afternoon in this particular field. So at one hundred and ten to one, do I love it? No, but I love the number. So I think it's worth a couple of bucks. But I definitely like. Webb and Kokrak to win this thing if you can get the right odds, but I think the value on Tringale, Higo, Woodland, and Todd are good enough to take.
0: I like that. I like those plays a lot. I did just look. It looks
1: like Kokrak is 30-1 to on driving.
0: So I do think that's a good number if you can get that. Uh, I like him a lot at 30-1. to Um, Mm -hmm. For my outright card this week, I'm going to go ahead and, like I normally do, I'm going to take a few pretty big long shots and then uh, maybe comes Friday or Saturday night, uh, I might take some guys that I think can actually win it then. Whereas, like Sia said, it's just not fun to take guys at 18 or, or 20 to 1 to win a, a big golf tournament. So uh, as I've already kind of teased earlier in the show, my big ticket already is, and my kind of strategy with this is I like to play hit for the home run. So this week especially, I'm swinging for the fences opposed to sprinkling my smaller bets here and there. Let's just put it all on one guy. And if it hits, then we're going to have a really great week. And that's Sadoshi Kadaira. Kata- uh, I thought the number was too big. I just thought he could have been 100, fine, at over 200 to 1. Um, I just thought that was too high for a guy who's playing as well as he's been playing the last couple weeks. Uh, so I figured, you know, there's a little value there. We'll go all in on it and give him a big payday. Unfortunately, funny enough, I may have actually moved the line where you're not going to get people to one anymore. Um, it's now only 160. I looked again, but I still think at 160, he's a fun play at – you know, 160 to one is a big number um, that you can play. And like last week, he's had a 63. I mean, any guy that can shoot 63 in a PGA tournament can compete. And then, if you want to look at some other longer shot odds that maybe you want to take a shot on, I'm okay with going at um, Norlander at, at 110 to one. Again, those are some pretty long odds for a guy who has been playing pretty well recently. Um, another name that I'll throw out there, and he hasn't been playing well so far, but this is a guy that we saw last year the top five ten at a major and now he's getting in this field i think he's 160 to one yeah 160 to one is cameron champ so listen again like i said his form is no good i I don't know i'm not going to play him in dfs because i think the floor is too low but this is a guy who can hit it as far as anybody off the tee which we know shouldn't get him in trouble if he sprays it a little bit on this course if he puts some things together with his short game this week he's a good enough golfer to compete in this field if he gets everything together At 161 I just think it's a really high number. It could be something fun to throw a couple dollars on. I like it. Uh, Do you have another one? No,
1: that's it. That's it for my uh, outright. So let's look at the first-round leaders. Who who are you looking at there? All right. So let's start with – so the number I'm seeing for first-round leader for Jason Kovac, I know I'm kind of beating a dead horse here, but 45-1 to with a guy that can get that hot with the putter and the ball striking I I think is actually – it's not a super fun number like the ones you're about to hear, but – I actually think that's a good number for Jason Kokrak. So 45 to one, I like that. Uh, I'm going to skip over. I was going to recommend Gary Woodland and, and Kyle Stanley, but I'm going to scratch them off the list. I'm going to give you five more names. So we start with the Jason Kokrak. Hank Leviota at 90 to one. Uh, I don't need to go into why I love that. Uh, we just talked about it. Satoshi Kodaira at 90 to one. We know he can pop day ones. We know he can get hot with the putter. And we know typically the ball striking is there. So let's have him be first round leader and outright leader for both Joel and I. Um, a couple of random ones here, Scott Piercy, 90 to one as well. And Patrick Rogers at a hundred to one. We just talked about how I kind of like Patrick Rogers as a showdown play, but not a four day tournament play. So I think Patrick Rogers at a hundred to one is decent, but are you ready for the breaking news, Joel? I am ready. So it is 925 PM on Tuesday night and the first round leader will be crowned if you will Thursday night. So I'm giving this to the world, to America, two days ahead of time. The first round leader at the Rocket Mortgage come Thursday evening. And by the way, before I even say who this first round leader is, Joel, like what are you gonna spend all your money on on this first round leader?
0: Oh, listen, you empty the account. It's a lock, right? This yeah, is what are we buying though? Oh, oh, interesting. Well, you figure
1: I'll, tell you what. I'll tell you what you figure say one you
0: think over 100 to one.
1: Oh, that's a really good question. Okay, no, it's actually 80 to 1. Okay. Okay, so hear. I want you to think about, I want you to think about what you're going to buy cool. and you can probably purchase it tomorrow. Cause this is an absolute lock. And I'm going to tell you who the first round leader is. And when I'm done telling you, and when I'm done saying you're welcome, America, you can tell me what you're going to spend the money on. I got to think about it myself because this is super exciting news. Okay. So your first round leader at the rocket mortgage classic up in Detroit, this is being announced on a Tuesday night is going to be none other than, and this is, this is sponsored I think by, by Spencer Aguirre. I was just on, on his podcast that him and Nick, um, host together the Better Golf Podcast. And I know Spencer was was really big on this guy as well. 80 to one, your first round leader at the Rocket Mortgage Classic is none other than Maverick McNeely. So first of all, you're welcome, America. Second of all, Joel, what are you spending all of the money on? Wow. Maverick McNeely. So it feels like
0: if you're going to do it on Maverick McNeely, it's like, you know, what change, you know, it's gotta be. I think I listen, if Detroit, the economy in Detroit's not that good. Let's go
1: up there and buy the whole course. Oh, wow, we're gonna buy the course. I thought you were going like the top gun direction, <laughs> like with like like Maverick, like you're gonna buy like a plane or something. You want to buy the Detroit Golf Club. Yeah, I'm gonna buy it. All right. Well, actually, if you put down the money you just won on Harris English on Maverick McMealy at 80 to one, you might actually be in the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> now that i think about it um yeah i don't know what i'm going to do with the money but i do want to say and, and i think at this point i am fully convinced which means you should be fully convinced to pour out every dollar that you have on mavic McNeely as your first round leader because to me at this point it's like kind of obvious like i don't like for the record i don't think he's going to win the tournament i, I just think i don't think i know he's going to be first round leader i mean it's probably going to be jason kokrak that wins the tournament um or satoshi Kodaira, of course or Webb Simpson. Those are the only three candidates that I think can win the tournament. Webb Simpson, Jason Kokrak, and Satoshi Kodaira. I think those are the only ones kind of like eligible at this point when you look at the numbers that can actually win the Rocket Mortgage Classic. But as far as first round leader is concerned, Joel, I mean, tell me if you disagree, but it's a lock, right? Matt McNeely. I don't, I'm I'm trying to figure a way where he doesn't win it. Right. I I see the I see the I literally I think I literally ran the yeah. math like a hundred times, and I'm like, I'm taking crazy pills here. How is it that Mavikula comes out at, like it, it doesn't make any sense? But then again, the math is the math. I can't can't argue with math, right? I the numbers. Up, so I mean, it's like
0: it's, it's, it's like it's I, this is how I compare it. It's like if you had invested in AMC a year ago. It's like why wouldn't why wouldn't you do that? Right? Like that was right. obviously going to get hammered by the public and everyone was going to hold it. Like everyone
1: knew that. So this McNeely play seems more obvious to me. You bring up such a good point because I feel like this is like the Amazon.com of first round leader bets, like Amazon.com, like circa like 2002. It's like, Oh, they're just selling books. And it's like, this, this doesn't really make any sense. So I think for the casual observer, they're like, well, this doesn't make any sense, but I'm telling you, I, I literally, I ran the numbers. It's, it's Matt McNeely. So. Uh, Joel, do you have any first-round leaders yourself, though? I mean, did we already talk about your first-round leaders? I mean, do we need to talk about them? Seems like we kind of have this in the bag. Joel Joel, in stunned silence, it seems. Okay, so, oh, here we go. Here we go. Okay, Joel is breaking up. We're going to give him a second to come back on. Um, Bobby, Isaiah, Ivan... Whoever else is in the chat, Joel, are you back? I was going to ask them a, a, a football question, but you're back, so give me the first round leaders. Okay, so my first round leaders, and I,
0: I'm solely stringing for the fences. The first one at um, one. I also like another 100 to play one play in Brian Stewart, and then lastly, and I think C M already left him as one of his. We're going to go with another 100 to 1, 300 to 1
1: plays to take a shot at Patrick Rogers. Those are my three plays. All oh, I love one. that. You're welcome, America. Hey, we missed your first one. Your first 100 to 1 shot. Who was it? Oh, who did I say first? I said Patrick Rogers. I said Brian Stewart. And my first one and my favorite one is Vaughn Taylor. Oh, that's right. Vaughn Taylor. All right. Um, all right. Joel, what else have we got? That's it. I mean, if, see, do you have any other bets, any matchups, anything like that you like for this week? No, uh, you know, I really am starting to warm up on, on Gary at plus 110. I will say, and this is kind of scary, but on DraftKings, Jason Kokrak is plus 105 versus Joaquin Neiman. And Neiman's the favorite, heavy favorite, minus 137. Uh, to me, like I, I, my understanding is that Neiman is taking some sharp money from uh, – Spencer told me that actually because just by looking at his number – I don't get it, man. I think what King Neiman could pop, but I really like Jason Kokrak here. So I would take Kokrak plus 105. I saw Webb minus 120 over Hideki. I don't absolutely love that, but I think I'd be willing to bet it. So that's the other matchup I like. I love it. I love
0: it. Um, for the most part, you know, i I might look at some matchups close to the tee off, but I'm not too heavy in the matchup market. If you want to look at a few top 40 plays, um, there are a few top 40 plays that I might like. I'm going to go more toward like the even market. So guys that, you know, we're getting a little bit of odds on. So maybe Gary Kegel at plus 110 to get in mm-hmm. the top 40. Kyle Stanley's is a plus 110. Um, I think an interesting play could be Mark Hubbard at plus 140 and uh, Henrik Norlander at plus 140. So I think those are a few guys. And if you like some of the guys we mentioned on the show, um, you know, if you're going to bet and you want to bet more conservatively, I think I like the top 40 market as a way to say, you know, this guy just needs to compete this week. He doesn't have to win the whole tournament.
1: Yeah. And by the way, everybody jump in discord uh, over the weekend for showdown plays, but also I, I like to take some matchup plays. So um, usually on Saturday or Sunday, I have a couple matchup plays. I like, I, I had one, a big one actually on Saturday that didn't work out I had Troy Merritt over Bryce Garnett. Um, Bryce Garnett gained, I think 12 and a half strokes putting, which was um, according to Rick game in the third highest ever since Rick, as far back as Rick Gaiman's database goes. So that's kind of why I lost because Bryce Garnett couldn't miss a putt. But um, I do like those mid-round um, head-to-head plays because we have a lot of information behind them. But the answer is Michael Over. So he knew he knew I was going to ask a question, but it's his second answer that actually was the right answer. So I didn't actually ask the question, but I love Santana Moss as the answer because that's Santana Moss right there. He's flashing the 21 for Sean Taylor. May he rest in peace. So Joel, do, do we leave it there with it with a Sean Taylor Rest in Peace reference? Best safety ever. That's that's the only way to leave it. Um,
0: good luck this week, everyone. If you have any questions, jump in Discord. We'll be there till Thursday. Make sure to check weather. I we are seeing there might be some rain this week. So if there are some splits, we'll update you on what that looks like in Discord.
1: Let's have another profitable week, team. That sounds good. And uh geez, you know, I'm trying to think of a way. Joel that we could end the show um anything you want to end the show with sports